0: Sometimes in doing the children's chat, I often feel like I'm only helping myself. Uh, In the sense that I'm hopefully teaching my kids something that uh, (laughs) will benefit us at home, you know. Kind of like a home investment. Uh, So, if you would, this morning, turn to Psalm 2. Jessica uh, said that I may have misspoken earlier by saying that I don't pray that God speaks to you? No, I just meant that the way you said. Yeah, she said the way I said it sounded like I don't pray that God would speak to you, but what I meant was I don't think of you and think, oh yeah, they got that problem and that problem, so I'm gonna preach on that. That's what I meant to say. So so be be, uh, be let's be clear on that. I like to be clear. So words are words are helpful in doing that. So let's turn here to Psalm two and look at a few words that have been penned many years ago, roughly 3,000 years ago, uh, by more than likely David, although we're not told this. Uh, However, we do know that this is still an introductory psalm. So, Before the book of Psalms gets started with all its high emotions, with all its crying and weeping and complaining and lamenting and anger issues and trust issues, before all these prayers go up to God, before we get this little peek in the window of David himself and others praying personally, before any of that kind of stuff gets started, there are two chapters, two books here, two Psalms, if you will, that deal with very specific things. The first one deals with the fact that there are only two ways in life. There's not a thousand. There's only two. God's way and every other way. The second psalm also is introductory and it deals with kingship. So one deals with the law. The other deals with God's king. Let's read here in Psalm 2, starting in verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath. are all who take refuge in Him. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. And by Your Holy Spirit, would You make Yourself known to our own hearts today. Would You speak something into our very soul. Would You give us the bread we need to be nourished from Your Word, we pray in Your most holy name. Amen. Kingship, kingly rule. These are things that Americans don't really know anything about, right? We shook off those red coats. We stared down the face of monarchy. And we said no. And we gained our independence. And rightly so. And yet, the Bible talks much of kingship. The Bible talks much of Jesus as the king. Most of the context of the Old Testament, if not all of it, is by people who are ruled by kings. And so, some of this stuff seems very foreign to us, in the sense that we don't understand the nuances of living under a monarch, a tyrant. Uh, I say some of us don't because, quite frankly, I do. I was raised by a monarch by a tyrant named Harold, which actually means military general. How dag, my, my father. Um, I didn't grow up in a different country, but it seemed as if it was a different country at home sometimes. Because as a kid, I think that's the closest we come in contact to to understanding what it means to be ruled. I mean, told where to go. I mean, loaded up, and going to places you don't want to go. Or denied certain things. Or told to actually do certain things that you wish not to do. Most of us in the American context just simply don't live that way. We may complain about it as if we do, but we don't. But I think, looking back at my childhood, I think I can kind of get a little feel for what it would be like to be under dictatorial rule. Uh, because my father ran a quite a tight ship with my brother and I, and uh, and so when I come to texts like this, these regal, royal psalms, these psalms that deal with kingship, I kind of go back and say, "Man, what a different time to live in! What a special place America is." Because even today, as you know, there are tyrants that rule over vast numbers of peoples. And so most of us have no exposure to this sort of thing. But the psalmist assumes that we do. Now notice, notice this is, and this is a beautiful psalm. Sometimes I almost get distracted by the literary beauty of the psalms. In and of themselves, they're beautiful writings. Much less revelation, which is the Word of God, to us. As we just said moments ago, thanks be to God for His Word to us. Without Him speaking to us, we would know nothing of God, for He is not the world. Instead, He has spoken His words, actual words to actual people who actually wrote it down, which is why we hold the Bible uh, as the highest and holiest of books. So note, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The first section here of Psalm 2 is dealing with the situation. It's situational. He's setting up what's happening in His world. What's happening in the world. And He says, "...the kings of the earth set themselves..." Isn't that just like political leaders? I mean, what other kind of people in our world put their name everywhere? Up on signs, put their pictures everywhere. You know, if I just started going around town putting my name up everywhere, you know, Marshall Dagg, you know, putting my picture up, hey, look at me, you know. uh, This is what politicians maybe have to do, uh, but it's a really odd thing if you really step back and look at the situation. They're pursuing positions of power... Which really, most people that pursue power, they want power. So then we give them power and we wonder why they take power. And we get angry about it, but yet they're actually running on that very fact. And so, it's this interesting thing that even here the psalmist is saying, yes, I understand, people pursue power. They pursue political positions of power over other people. And they set themselves... And ultimately, they take counsel together. In other words, this is just simply the way the world works. You have to be ruled over with people. And who better than I to be ruler? And again, this is not some blanket statement against politicians. Don't get me wrong. And at the same time, it may be a warning against politicians. (laughs) Uh, and so, the point is, anyone who would set themselves in a position of power uh, is is, is going to be, again, in, in this boat here. The kings of the earth, those rulers of the earth set themselves. And so, notice, here's what's happening is the nations and the peoples are raging. Now, one of the beauties of Hebrew poetry is it's not by rhyme and meter. It's not by what rhymes or this or the, you know, violets are red and blue, all this kind of... It's none of that stuff, whatever that is. uh, I I never can quote that correctly. And and so it's, it's not based on that at all. It's actually based on something called parallelism, which is parallel statements. And you can see it clearly here, notice. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? That's the same statement twice. That's what we mean by parallel statements. I mean, just look at it in your text. Nations, peoples, rage, and plot. All of it's in vain. Now he begins with this question that is really almost to me a a question of confidence. In other words, you have the nations raging, you have the nations and the peoples plotting, and yet he's saying it's all in vain. All this is in vain. You almost hear... Solomon in Ecclesiastes saying, Life under the sun is vain, vanity of vanities. Now, why all of this? Why the setting? Why the raging? Why the, why the plotting? It's all, notice verse 2 against the Lord Yahweh and his anointed. It's almost as if the rulers of the world are saying, if we can shake God, then we can rule the world. If we, can, if we can go against God and His way, then we're unique. Kind of maybe that attitude of going where no man has gone before. I mean, I have to think sometimes with the atrocities in China under Mao. With the atrocities of Nazi Germany under Hitler. I have to think that that they were just almost, if you will, hell-bent, from hell even, on doing something no one has ever done before. We know this from from some serial killers. They want to do something that nobody would do. Almost as if they're seeking fame through atrocity. And to me it's setting up this same picture here. They set themselves in places of power to go where no one has gone before, and that is to defeat God, go against God. It's the same attitude in high school, don't you remember back? Hadn't been that long ago for you, has it? It's fading away quicker and quicker for me. When I look back, I think about the people who became popular, were the ones who did what the others just wouldn't do. Which was wrong to do. Whoever was first to do something wrong, wow, man, you are really cool. That was the attitude. Oh, you're you're doing that? Wow, man, you know. And we get wowed by evil. And maybe for this situation, this is what's happening. Notice what their constant refrain is. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Notice the alliteration even in the ESV burst bonds, cast cords. What? From us. Let us from us. Notice the group mentality? And isn't that, again, the more I look back at high school, this is played out on the political level. If you want to see politics, go to high school. You can see it played out right there. Segregation you see racisms, you see biases, you see power struggles. It's all at this adolescent level and yet it feeds over into our world. The bully. Think about tyrants. How do they rule the world? Bullying. You mess with me, then I'm going to kill your whole family. Maybe it's not so overt maybe it's not so bold as to say, we want to take this or that. If you begin to look at tyrants and how they rise to power, normally it's not some bold proclamation. Hey, we're going to kill 40 million Chinese. We're going to kill 6 million Jews. No, instead it's, hey, there's an injustice, isn't there? Come, I can help. I know the way. And ultimately... The way leads to death. Always death. Maybe it is the call of freedom. Notice here, let us burst these bonds. Shake these cords off of us. In other words, we feel trapped. Again, go back to my house. As a kid, I'm saying, Ooh, you know what? I could go over to Todd's house. And actually play video games all night and watch movies until 3 a.m. in the morning because my father won't be there because his dad doesn't care. And, 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 and you know what? I can stay up all night long. So let me devise a plan here to swindle my father into thinking this is a good idea, right? Hey, Pop, uh, Todd, you know, he's been kind of depressed and stuff, you know. I need to go over to his house and spend the night tonight. No. Yeah, but no. Yeah, but, but no. You see, that's, this is the kind of thing I dealt with. I even knew the right times to ask. I knew that after church was not a right time because he's shaking everybody's hand, greeting everybody, and, you know, no, 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 no not right now, not right now. You know, And then he's going to get angry about it uh, later, and, and, you know, it'll always be a no then. You also have your mother to deal with, right? The queen? Uh, she is kind of more on your side most of the time. But the point here is this, is, and that is... The no comes resounding from both sides, king and queen, and what are you gonna do? You can't do anything. And so what do you do? You go you go and pout, doesn't help. You go act bad, doesn't help. You act crazy, doesn't help. You feel trapped. You feel like, what's the point of living? If I can't do what I want, what's the point of living? Translate that into your adult life. Where now you have a bit of freedom. Now you're the adult. And you get that moment where you say, I get to do what I want. So what do you do? Ultimately, we never truly shake this idea of king parent or the parent king. God sees all. He is the true king. He is the true parent. And He says no to certain things, and it's no. But what about no? How about no? And it's no. And yet our culture gets together and says, you know what, we've actually voted on this. We've come together and decided, you know, consensually as a group. This is an ecumenical decision here. That we're going to change it up. That we're going to make an amendment here. God's answer is still no. (laughs) So they finally say, okay, well fine. We will go to war with you. All right, so that's the situation. And look, I don't have to, I don't think, uh, connect the dots for you. What is our situation today in America? Is it not similar to this attitude? Freedom? Freedom to do what you want to do? I mean, I'm not, I'm not down in freedom. But if it's not Christian, in other words, Christ's freedom, then it's not freedom. Amen. It's a lie. That's been told over and over again. And every so few generations go by and it's warmed up in the microwave and represented as a lie. Notice God's response. And I love this. He who sits in the heavens laughs. It's kind of a funny scene, isn't it? I mean, what... You know, maybe not what you expected. Maybe you expected anger. Actually, the Lord holds them in derision, which is a word you probably don't use in your normal vocabulary. He scoffs at them. Is actually what it means. And you say, "Well, that's an odd picture of God laughing and scoffing, mocking the nations and the peoples." I mean, is that is that we're saying? Is that even right? And what I picture is Ty, when he doesn't get his way, he goes into a rage. Now he looks like a very calm, nice, combed over little boy. Very small in stature. But he can bring the house down. Ah! Mama! Mama! Right? Need I say more? She doesn't want to hear it. She hears enough of it. The raging, the plotting, the throwing themselves into the floor, the tantrum, the, the, the taking, you know, the pushing on you, and the whole time, and I love when this happens, you know, you know He wants this, which is cake, which He's already had enough of, and He's pushing on you. Now I'm almost 200 pounds. I don't know, He's maybe what? 20 maybe? If He's wet. And He's pushing on me. Do, do I move? No, I'm sitting here. It's a joke that he would think that he could move me to get him more cake. And you know, the others have done the same thing. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. And they're pushing this large tree trunk, you know, of a leg, and it's not going anywhere. And you can you can understand just the futility of the whole thing. It's laughable. You know, I don't know if God is doing the Dr. Evil laugh up in heaven. <laughs> you know, this sort of thing with the pinky going and everything. I don't know if that's the scene or if it's, just, if it's just so funny to see a little person, you know, like Ty, trying to push his parent to make him do something. It's ridiculous. It's a futile act. And yet, the nations and the peoples do it. America does it. And so we change our laws. We indoctrinate our children. We practice lawlessness. Families fall apart. And we say, this is freedom. This is freedom. This is the right way. This is equality. And God laughs from heaven. And then it turns to a terrible thing, doesn't it? His wrath in verse 5 and His fury. Notice also that the people, the kings, set themselves in position of power. But notice what, what Yahweh does. Yahweh says, no, 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 no. He's in heaven. So He's not on earth. Notice kings of the earth. He's above that. I think that's what that little verse there Four, is dealing with, he sits in heaven. He's above all of that stuff. He's outside of it. You ever notice, even in our passage today, uh, from Matthew, that Stephanie read, the Pharisees think Jesus is going down this way, which a typical Jew would have done. You know, hey, we need to shake off uh, Rome. You know, you know, try to not pay the... I mean, because when we pay our taxes, it's going to all kind of bad stuff that ends up persecuting us. Why would we pay taxes? Right, there was a movement within Judaism to do that. Well, the Pharisees say, "Hey, which one is it, man? This one or this way? You're going to go this way or that way?" And Jesus always, have you ever noticed, comes up with a third. Like even when you you wouldn't be able to really think of a third, maybe not quick on your feet, but, but he is, and he always comes up with this third way, which is his way, and all the other ways are the wrong way. then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, as for me, I have set, not they set themselves, but now I have set my king on Zion. my So my king and my holy hill. You know, the kingdom of God does not start in the... New Testament, with Jesus preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God was started in the Old Testament with the rulership of God. Before they ever even had an earthly king, God was their king. Remember what He told them? I brought you out with mighty signs and wonders. You know, faithfully... Pharaoh asked that question, Who is Yahweh? And God said, Oh, I can show you ten ways to prove who I am. Ten plagues. This is who I am. I never heard of Yahweh. What God is that among the gods? I am the only one, there are no others. I control the universe, master of the universe. And so God sets his king on his position of power. But notice, when that happens, that you would, you would think, at least this is the way I would do if I was God, I would set my king up and say, bam! Kind of like when you're playing cards and all of a sudden you got the ace of spades and you know nobody can trump that one. You slap it on the table, you bring it up like this. "What pow Right? And you say, bam! Now what? And, and everybody thought you were gone. You were out of the game and now you're in the game. If I was God, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be like, Yeah, yes, I see you guys, you know, raging and, you know, scheming and seething and trying to trying to go against me. Bam! There's my king. But ultimately, that is not God's way, is to show people up. He's not interested in that. He doesn't create some world empire where David is going to rule over the world and make everybody serve Yahweh. Again, that would be our plan, wouldn't it? Isn't that our plan normally politically? We need to get some laws on here to make people be Christian. Is that even possible? Can you legislate morality into people's lives? Sadly, no. And so we argue and we debate and quite frankly, of times past, uh, I've just grown tired. I think God grows tired. It's again, tie pulling on the leg, pushing the leg. What good does it do? Yeah, we get some good guys in there. What good? This kingdom too will pass. It's a sad thing. I'm kind of convinced that God likes little things, like kids. Like a seed that grows into a really large tree. God likes those little things. Once it gets big and bloated, you die. Right? Trees die. I think that God likes the little things. Not not just the big, scary things that we would typically go to. I mean, if I was going to rage a war against the peoples of the earth, I would want Apache helicopters, F-22 Raptors, nuclear weapons, AR-15s, so on and so forth. You get the point. It's not what God is concerned with. And the Jews missed it, didn't they? When Jesus came... What he claimed to be was Messiah, Christ. Did you catch back in verse 2, the Lord and His anointed? Do you know that term, anointed, is the same as Christ, is the same as Messiah? All three of those are the same. Messiah, Christ, anointed. So really you could say here, the Lord and His Messiah, the Lord and His Christ. He is the anointed one. And yet, when He comes, is He load-bearing, you know, weapons? Is, is, is He bent on Rome's destruction? I mean, that's what they're trying to get Him to play into here, right? In our passage back in Matthew that, that was read earlier, hey, who do we pay tribute to? God or Caesar. Again, an either-or situation. No, His anointed one is the answer. Is His person for the job. And the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, is not like earthly kings. He does not subdue people and make them obey. Is that the picture of Jesus at all? I mean they thought a military general they thought some strong guy that probably had you know two two belts of bullets across his chest leading a revolution but instead he comes to die and they say this this no this this is not god no this is not messiah this is not christ this is not anointed one no way And yet, it's the small, weak things that change the world. Because they're only small and weak to us who are blind and evil. Love may seem weak, but it alone will change the world. Not politics. Amen. I wish you could vote you know, the world into being good. Sadly, you cannot. Power, Lord Acton said many years ago, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Name one kingdom where it hasn't. Name one nation where it hasn't. This is not a doom and gloom against America. We could very well turn around. But the more important Citizenship, the more important politic is if you are actually under the rulership of the one true king. Let's just for just a moment, don't call me anti-patriotic or non bust the bubble of our American situation and go to India, go to Africa, go to other places where... Even in horrible situations, God is still king. And here in America, we forget about it because we've got it so good. And so did the Jews back in the day. They were the people of God, and yet they were being judged by God. They had the Christian radio stations. They were wearing the Christian t-shirts. They had the Christian jargon. They elected Christian officials... And yet, we're evil. It's a fascinating thing in our world that God is an embarrassment in America. The name Jesus, if if you could statistically study how often that name is mentioned in universities around America, it it would probably make you fall out of your seat. People are embarrassed to say that name. We're even told, don't use that name. It's used as a cuss word, yes, but you can't counsel people toward Jesus. No, 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 that's, no, that's hypocrisy. You're pushing your beliefs onto someone. Don't mention that in the classroom. And yet, he's the most written about person in human history. How could you be a historian and not know who he is? Your birthday's dated by his birthday, of all things. It's ludicrous. In the same way that we look back at the Jews and say, What a bunch of knuckleheads. Other generations will look at us and say, What a bunch of knuckleheads. So let's just pause for a second and think. Let's not talk about the world situation or the American context but your own personal situation are you coming under the rulership of Jesus Christ he's the only true king presidents will come and go kings will come and go nations will come and go we know this our citizenship is in heaven ultimately we can love our nation but it better not get in the way of loving people. And God has taken me to the woodshed before on this. Because I thought politics could, could change. Only to realize that only the Spirit of God can change a heart. So why waste my time? Why waste my effort? Now some people are called to the political scene and praise be to God they are. That is a It's a calling. But you, what about you at your workplace? Are you ashamed to mention the king's name? This is his land. I don't care who says they're ruling over it. It's his land. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Go to Somalia. That's his land. He is the king of kings and the Lord over lords. And everyone... Will have a day of reckoning with him. That includes you. You know, here's a little secret that I that I, every time I, I come across something like this, just look at verse ten. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. I can't help but read that and think of you. You say, "I'm not, I'm not a king. I'm not a ruler." You are over those little ones that were right here. You're a ruler over them. At works, many of you are in managerial positions, ruling over others. Be warned. Be wise. What do we need to do? He says very clearly, serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. C.S. Lewis has really done us a favor by creating the fictional character of Aslan, the lion in the Chronicles of the of Narnia. He's both terrible and good. In other words, his roar can break down trees and the earth is shaken, and you know you're doing this number, "Ah," you know, and you're covering your ears, and yet he's as gentle as a dove. compassionate, and judgmental. It's so funny. Don't judge. Well, The Bible makes all kinds of judgments. Kiss the Son. In other words, come under His rulership. This is the kingdom of God. You say, I don't see it. Because you have to see it with the eye of faith. There's a rumor going around that comes from the king himself when he first came in disguise. You see, he came down and clothed himself, kind of going tactical, if you will, Navy SEAL on us, you know, behind enemy lines. He clothed himself, cloaked himself in flesh, came and told the secret of the universe, and that is, I'm the true king anyone that believes in me will find a way that leads to eternal life, to an eternal kingdom. And the lie continues to be spread that that's not true. And more practically in your life, you spread the lie each and every week if you don't come under His rulership. If you don't live your life according to His way in the world. Let's just forget what everybody else is doing for a second. Because just like a little kid, we always want to say, well, so-and-so is getting to go to Todd's house. And my dad's answer, no. That's the last inquiry I'll take. Hey man, I didn't use the word inquiry. We're just big little kids, aren't we? That want our way. But we must come under his rule. We must submit. We must give up the fight. That is the way to life. Give up the fight. And we see beautiful examples of this every single time we meet in this place. There are people among us that we can look around and say, they're doing what's right. You look around and you just know by being in their presence that they actually care about you. And you think to yourself, I wish I cared for people like that. I wish I could obey like that. Stop wishing. The reality has come. The Spirit is here. He is more than ready to raise you up and say the same thing that is said in this psalm, which is, you are My Son. Today, I have begotten You. Praise God, man! We can... It doesn't matter what you look like, where you were born, what's happened in your past, what happened yesterday. What matters is if we can hear those words this morning. You're My Son. You're My Daughter. And You're a Queen. You are a future King if we can only see it, and start acting like it. Often in correcting my boys, we'll say, you are a good boy. Now start acting like it. I think God would say over us this morning, you are my son, my child, my daughter. Start acting like it. Start acting like it. When we do, we proclaim the true king, the king of heaven. By our very lives, we proclaim that. By our obedience, it is not a difficult thing. We try to act like it's difficult to be holy. It is not do what He says. <laughs> same thing with my kids are like, say, "This is not difficult. I plead with them. Just do what I said. Just that simple. I mean, how difficult is that? Not at all. It's our own wickedness. <laughs> There's something in us that is anti the true king. And it ought, to, it ought to be blaringly clear that because we have this bent against him, that only proves him. <laughs> but we're blind. We don't have to be, though. Not today. Today is your day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Will you come under His rulership? Or will you continue to deny Him, be ashamed of Him, reject Him by your actions? Stop thinking about your motives. What about your actions? Jesus never said, if you love Me, have good motives. If you love me, keep my commandments. Today you do not have to be displeasing to God. You can be pleasing to Him by saying yes. Yes to His rule. Yes to His way. Yes to His anointed one. And He'll call you son. He'll call you daughter and welcome you into a family that is an eternal family. That is good news, my friends. That is good news. Amen.